chapter sixty nine of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray chapter sixty nine in which the major neither yields his money nor his life early next morning pendennis's shutters were opened by morgan who appeared as usual with a face perfectly grave and respectful bearing with him the old gentleman's clothes cans of water and elaborate toilet requisites it's you is it said the old fellow from his bed i shan't take you back again you understand i have not the least wish to be took back again major pendennis mr morgan said with grave dignity nor to serve you nor any man but as i wish you to be comfortable as long as you stay in my house i came up to do what's necessary and once more and for the last time mr james morgan laid out the silver dressing-case and strapped the shining razor these offices concluded he addressed himself to the major with an indescribable solemnity and said thinkin that you would most likely be in want of a respectable person until you suited yourself i spoke to a young man last night who is ere indeed said the warrior in the tent bed he have lived in the fust families and i can watch for his respectability you are monstrous polite grinned the old major and the truth is that after the occurrences of the previous evening morgan had gone out to his own club at the wheel of fortune and there finding frosch a courier and valet just returned from a foreign tour with young lord cubley and for the present disposable had represented to mr frosch that he morgan had a devil of a blow hup with his own governor and was going to retire from the business altogether and that if frosch wanted a temporary job he might probably have it by applying in berry street you're very polite said the major and your recommendation i'm sure will have every weight morgan blushed he felt his master was a chafin of him the man have awaited on you before sir he said with great dignity lord de la pole sir gave him to his nephew young lord cubley and he have been with him on his foreign tour and not wishing to go to fitzers castle which frosh's chest is delicate and he cannot bear the cold in scotland he is free to serve you or not as you choose i repeat sir that you are exceedingly polite said the major come in frosh you will do very well mr morgan will you have the kindness to i shall show him what is necessary sir and what is customary for you to wish to have done will you please to take breakfast ere or at the club major pendennis with your kind permission i will breakfast here and afterwards we will make our little arrangements if you please sir will you now oblige me by leaving the room morgan withdrew the excessive politeness of his ex-employer made him almost as angry as the major's bitterest words and whilst the old gentleman is making his mysterious toilet we will also modestly retire after breakfast major pendennis and his new aide-de-camp occupied themselves in preparing for their departure the establishment of the old bachelor 
was not very complicated he encumbered himself with no useless wardrobe a bible his mother's a road-book pen's novel calf elegant and the duke of wellington's dispatches with a few prints maps and portraits of that illustrious general and of various sovereigns and consorts of this country and of the general under whom major pendennis had served in india formed his literary and artistical collection he was always ready to march at a few hours notice and the cases in which he had brought his property into his lodgings some fifteen years before were still in the lofts amply sufficient to receive all his goods these the young woman who did the work of the house and who was known by the name of betty to her mistress and of slavey to mr morgan brought down from their resting-place and obediently dusted and cleaned under the eyes of the terrible morgan his demeanour was guarded and solemn he had spoken no word as yet to mrs brixham respecting his threats of the past night but he looked as if he would execute them and the poor widow tremblingly awaited her fate old pendennis armed with his cane superintended the package of his goods and chattels under the hands of mr frosh and the slavey burned such of his papers as he did not care to keep flung open doors and closets until they were all empty and now all boxes and chests were closed except his desk which was ready to receive the final accounts of mr morgan that individual now made his appearance and brought his books as i wish to speak to you in private perhaps you will have the kindness to request frosh to step downstairs he said on entering bring a couple of cabs frosh if you please and wait downstairs until i ring for you said the major morgan saw frosh downstairs watched him go along the street upon his errand and produced his books and accounts which were simple and very easily settled and now sir said he having pocketed the cheque which his ex-employer gave him and signed his name to his book with a flourish and now that accounts is closed between us sir he said i porpoise to speak to you as one man to another morgan liked the sound of his own voice and as an individual indulged in public speaking whenever he could get an opportunity at the club or the housekeeper's room and i must tell you that i am in possession of certain information and may i inquire of what nature pray asked the major it's valuable information major pendennis as you know very well i know of a marriage as is no marriage of a honourable baronet as is no more married than i am and which his wife is married to somebody else as you know too sir pendennis at once understood all ha this accounts for your behaviour you have been listening at the door sir i suppose said the major looking very haughty i forgot to look at the keyhole when i went to that public-house i might have suspected what sort of a person was behind it i may have my schemes as you may have yours i suppose answered morgan i may get my information and i may act on that information and i may find that information valuable as anybody else may a poor servant may have a bit of luck as well as a gentleman mayn't he don't you be putting on your aughty looks sir and coming the aristocrat over me that's all gammon with me i'm an englishman i am and as good as you to what the devil does this tend sir and how does the secret which you have surprised concern me i should like to know asked major pendennis with great majesty how does it concern me indeed how grand we are how does it concern my nephew i wonder 
how does it concern my nephew seedham parliament and to sorbonnation of bigamy how does it concern that what are you to be the only man to have a secret and to trade on it why shouldn't i go halves major pendennis i found it out too look here i ain't going to be unreasonable with you make it worth my while and i'll keep the thing close let mr arthur take his seat and his rich wife if you like i don't want to marry her but i will have my share as sure as my name's james morgan and if i don't and if you don't sir what pendennis asked if i don't i split and tell all i smash clavering and have him and his wife up for bigamy so help me i will i smash young hopeful's marriage and i show up you and him as making use of this secret in order to squeeze a seat in parliament out of sir francis and a fortune out of his wife mr pendennis knows no more of this business than the babe unborn sir cried the major aghast no more than lady clavering than miss amory does tell that to the marines major replied the valet that cock won't fight with me do you doubt my word you villain no bad language i don't care one tuppence a penny whether your word's true or not i tell you i intend this to be a nice little annuity to me major for i have every one of you and i ain't such a fool as to let you go i should say that you might make it five hundred a year to me among you easy pay me down the first quarter now and i'm as mum as a mouse just give a note for one twenty-five there's your cheque-book on your desk and there's this too you villain cried the old gentleman in the desk to which the valet pointed was a little double-barrelled pistol which had belonged to van dennis's old patron the indian commander-in-chief and which had accompanied him in many a campaign one more word you scoundrel and i'll shoot you like a mad dog stop by jove i'll do it now you'll assault me will you you'll strike at an old man will you you lying coward kneel down and say your prayers sir for by the lord you shall die the major's face glared with rage at his adversary who looked terrified before him for a moment and at the next with a shriek of murder sprang towards the open window under which a policeman happened to be on his beat murder police bellowed mr morgan to his surprise major pendennis wheeled away the table and walked to the other window which was also open he beckoned the policeman come up here policeman he said and then went and placed himself against the door you miserable sneak he said to morgan the pistol hasn't been loaded these fifteen years as you would have known very well if you had not been such a coward that policeman is coming and i will have him up and have your trunks searched i have reason to believe that you are a thief sir i know you are i'll swear to the things you gave em to me you gave em to me cried morgan the major laughed we'll see he said and the guilty valet remembered some fine lawn-fronted shirts a certain gold-headed cane an opera-glass which he had forgotten to bring down and of which he had assumed the use along with certain articles of his master's clothes which the old dandy neither wore nor asked for policeman x entered followed by the seared mrs brixham and her maid of all work who had been at the door and found some difficulty in closing it against the street amateurs who wished to see the row the major began instantly to speak i have had occasion to discharge this drunken scoundrel he said both last night and this morning he insulted and assaulted me i am an old man and took up a pistol you see it is not loaded and this coward cried out before he was hurt i am glad you are come i was charging him with taking my property and desired to examine his trunks and his room the velvet cloak you ain't worn these three years nor the waistcoats and i thought i might take the shirts 
and i i take my hoath i intended to put back the hopper glass roared morgan writhing with rage and terror the man acknowledges that he is a thief the major said calmly he has been in my service for years and i have treated him with every kindness and confidence we will go upstairs and examine his trunks in those trunks mr morgan had things which he would fain keep from public eyes mr morgan the bill discounter gave goods as well as money to his customers he provided young spendthrifts with snuff-boxes and pins and jewels and pictures and cigars and of a very doubtful quality those cigars and jewels and pictures were their display at a police office the discovery of his occult profession and the exposure of the major's property which he had appropriated indeed rather than stolen would not have added to the reputation of mr morgan he looked a piteous image of terror and discomfiture he'll smash me will he thought the major i'll crush him now and finish with him but he paused he looked at poor mrs brixham's scared face and he thought for a moment to himself that the man brought to bay and in prison might make disclosures which had best be kept secret and that it was best not to deal too fiercely with a desperate man stop he said policeman i'll speak with this man by himself do you give mr morgan in charge said the policeman i've brought no charges yet the major said with a significant look at his man thank you sir whispered morgan very low go outside the door and wait there policeman if you please now morgan you have played one game with me and you have not had the best of it my good man no begad you've not had the best of it though you had the best hand and you've got to pay too now you scoundrel yes sir said the man i've only found out within the last week the game which you have been driving you villain young de boots of the blues recognized you as the man who came to barracks and did business one-third in money one-third in eau de cologne and one-third in french prince you confounded demure old sinner i didn't miss anything or care a straw what you've taken you booby but i took the shot and it hit hit the bull's eye begad dammy six i'm an old campaigner what do you want with me sir i'll tell you your bills i suppose you keep about you in that demmed great leather pocket-book don't you you'll burn mrs brixham's bill sir i ain't a-goin to part with my property growled the man you lent her sixty pounds five years ago she and that poor devil of an insurance clerk her son have paid you fifty pounds a year ever since and you have got a bill of sale for her furniture and her note of hand for a hundred and fifty pounds she told me so last night by jove sir you've bled that poor woman enough i won't give it up said morgan if i do i'm policeman cried the major you shall have the bill said morgan you're not going to take money of me and you a gentleman i shall want you directly said the major to x who here entered and who again withdrew no my good sir the old gentleman continued i have not any desire to have further pecuniary transactions with you but we will draw out a little paper which you will have the kindness to sign no stop you shall write it you have improved immensely in writing of late and have now a very good hand you shall sit down and write if you please there at that table so let me see we may as well have the date wrightberry street st james's october twenty one eighteen blank and mr morgan wrote as he was instructed and as the pitiless old major continued i james morgan having come in extreme poverty into the service of arthur pendennis esq of berry street st james's 
a major in her majesty's service acknowledged that i received liberal wages and board wages from my employer during fifteen years you can't object to that i am sure said the major during fifteen years wrote morgan in which time by my own care and prudence the dictator resumed i managed to amass sufficient money to purchase the house in which my master resides and besides to effect other savings amongst other persons from whom i have had money i may mention my present tenant mrs brixham who in consideration of sixty pounds advanced by me five years since has paid back to me the sum of two hundred and fifty pounds sterling besides giving me a note of hand for one hundred and twenty pounds which i restore to her at the desire of my late master major arthur pendennis and therewith free her furniture of which i had a bill of sale have you written i think if this pistol was loaded i'd blow your brains out said morgan no you wouldn't you have too great a respect for your valuable life my good man the major answered let us go on and begin a new sentence and having in return for my master's kindness stolen his property from him which i acknowledge to be now upstairs in my trunks and having uttered falsehoods regarding his and other honourable families i do hereby in consideration of his clemency to me express my regret for uttering these falsehoods and for stealing his property and declare that i am not worthy of belief and that i hope yes begad that i hope to amend for the future signed james morgan i'm durned if i sign it said morgan my good man it will happen to you whether you sign or no begad said the old fellow chuckling at his own wit there i shall not use this you understand unless unless i am compelled to do so mrs brixham and our friend the policeman will witness it i dare say without reading it and i will give the old lady back her note of hand and say which you will confirm that she and you are quits i see there is frosh come back with the cab for my trunks i shall go to an hotel you may come in now policeman mr morgan and i have arranged our little dispute if mrs brixham will sign this paper and you policeman will do so i shall be very much obliged to you both mrs brixham you and your worthy landlord mr morgan are quits i wish you joy of him let frosh come and pack the rest of the things frosh aided by the slavey under the calm superintendence of mr morgan carried major pendennis's boxes to the cabs in waiting and mrs brixham when her persecutor was not by came and asked a heaven's blessing upon the major her preserver and the best and quietest and kindest of lodgers and having given her a finger to shake which the humble lady received with a curtsey and over which she was ready to make a speech full of tears the major cut short that valedictory oration and walked out of the house to the hotel in jermyn street which was not many steps from morgan's door that individual looking forth from the parlour window discharged anything but blessings at his parting guest but the stout old boy could afford not to be frightened at mr morgan and flung him a look of great contempt and humour as he strutted away with his cane major pendennis had not quitted his house of berry street many hours and mr morgan was enjoying his odium in a dignified manner surveying the evening fog and smoking a cigar on the doorsteps when arthur pendennis esq the hero of this history made his appearance at the well-known door my uncle out i suppose morgan he said to the functionary knowing full well that to smoke was treason in the presence of the major major pendennis is hout sir said morgan with gravity bowing but not touching the elegant cap which he wore major pendennis have left this ouse to-day sir and i have no longer the honour of being in his service sir indeed and where is he i believe he have taken temporary 
lodgings at cox's hotel in jummin street said mr morgan and added after a pause are you in town for some time pray sir are you in chambers i should like to have the honour of waiting on you there and would be thankful if you would favour me with a quarter of an hour do you want my uncle to take you back asked arthur insolent and good-natured i want no such thing i'd see him the man glared at him for a minute but he stopped no sir thank you he said in a softer voice it's only with you that i wish to speak on some business which concerns you and perhaps you would favour me by walking into my house if it is but for a minute or two i will listen to you morgan said arthur and thought to himself i suppose the fellow wants me to patronise him and he entered the house card was already in the front windows proclaiming that apartments were to be let and having introduced mr pendennis into the dining-room and offered him a chair mr morgan took one himself and proceeded to convey some information to him of which the reader has already had cognizance End of chapter sixty nine